You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit hbcyr.ca. Bible's out this morning and turn to Matthew chapter 7 as we continue in our Real Talk series. And the title of this message is Take a Look in the Mirror. Take a look in the mirror. As we come to this part of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, there have been different sections and a, a bit of a different focus. We uh, saw the first part with the Beatitudes and uh, the things about character, and then we went through a section that was really about the law and how Jesus said, um, you've heard it said, but I say to you, and, and then we come through some things that are really things for us to really focus on, and, and here Jesus changes the focus a little bit. Uh, he moves from uh, personal temptations to interpersonal temptations. Things are, are not so much, well, they are for us, they're directly for us, but because they have a serious impact on um, other people. And the uh, topic today is about judging. Uh, it's about judging. Um, one of the mostly quoted verses in the Bible is, judge not. Judge not, lest you be judged. Uh, and there's some kind of concept here that as believers, we're not ever supposed to judge anyone else. Um, usually the person who is saying that is under conviction about something. Uh, someone has come to them and they're speaking into their lives and they're like, who do you think you are to judge me? Are you saying you're better than I am? And uh, maybe you've said those words to someone and you need to be very careful when you ever find yourself talking like that because first of all, that does not honor the Lord and, and it's certainly a misapplication of anything that God's word says. But God's word says, does say judge not that you be not judged. But you remember, when we talk about context, you can take any verse and yank it out of its context and make it say whatever you want to make it say. And this is not what Jesus is saying here. That Jesus is not trying to silence everyone from speaking truth into someone else's life, but rather turns the focus on what does that look like and when we do that and when we're required to do that. What will that look like in our lives? And so we find the text in Matthew chapter 7, 1 to 6. Let's stand together. As we do, we want to honor God as we read his word. And here's what it says, starting at verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? Or how can you say, to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, this part of your word. What an amazing teaching uh, Jesus brings. And I'm sure as the disciples sat and heard it, uh, they wondered, they sought clarity. Uh, Father, just as we do, we want to honor you in the way we live our lives. We want to have our focus on you. And Father, and yet, Lord, we know there's a reality and a calling and a responsibility to speak truth to one another and to spur one another on to love and good deeds. So, Lord, as we wrestle with the tension of that, I pray, Lord, that you would give us wisdom to hear your word and to understand it. 
And then, Lord, to uh, passionately, God, make the changes needed in our lives, a passionate desire to live these things out for the glory of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray these things. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, as you know, uh, in the teaching of the Sermon on the Mount, it says that uh, Jesus went up onto the hillside and he sat down and he taught them. And he went through all of this material we've been looking at, and we're going to step out of the Sermon on the Mount for the next few weeks as we get ready to Easter, and then get back into it, and finish up sometime probably before the summer. But an amazing teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ, and here he comes to, judge not that you be not judged. Frequently quoted, usually out of context, and really people saying, don't you make moral judgments about me. Don't you bring truth to me. Um, I'm uncomfortable, I don't like it, and I want you to stop. Well, is that what Jesus was really saying? Was he really saying that we are never to make a moral judgment about what is right or wrong? Was he really saying we're not allowed to come to someone with, thus saith the Lord? If we see wrong in someone else, are we never allowed to go and talk to them? Well, I don't believe that's what Jesus was teaching at all. I think this statement was misused and is being misused. And uh, oftentimes it's because the person is feeling a sense of conviction or hurt or, or, or maybe they're feeling the heart of the person who's coming to them isn't right and they're coming in a judgmental way and, and they're just not ready to receive it and they're certainly not ready to receive it from uh, the individual who is bringing that truth. And so um, really in the text, there are kind of three things that Jesus does. We're gonna break it out a little differently, but first Jesus lays down a principle when he says don't judge. Don't judge. I'm not gonna deny he says it. He says don't judge. Uh, but then he justified that principle in theology. He says how you judge. How you judge is how you're going to be judged. And we're gonna see even in the text where he, he approves of judgment. Um, and then the third thing, he provides an illustration for us that is a really powerful one and a poignant, poignant one as we consider what Jesus Christ is saying here. So here's the first thing we want to look at this morning. Uh, you be the judge. Look at the manner. Look at the manner of how we judge or what we are to do. Verse 1, judge not that you be not, that you be not judged. Um, his words were often used by others, you've heard it, I've said it already today, to forbid something. Uh, three ways that I would say we see this, we're forbidden, we're not, that's the way people see it, we're forbidden to bring a personal word to someone. And, uh, and you, don't, you, don't you come to me, don't you say, and, and um, that's one of the ways. It's one-on-one, -on -one. it's I come to you, and... Um, but here's another way. Some people think, well, the church shouldn't be judging either. Why would the church be judging? Aren't we supposed to love each other? And aren't we supposed to care for each other? Aren't we just supposed to join hands and sing kumbaya and just get along with each other? And the church shouldn't be judging. Individuals shouldn't be going to each other in judgment. The church shouldn't be judging people. And then uh, here's a third way. We, we should be very careful in exposing error. Who, who are we to judge? That, that's that guy's opinion. That's his thought. And so churches are teaching things that don't honor the word of God and they don't honor Christ and they don't bring glory to him. And when, do we, when are we supposed to speak out to those things? When do we bring the truth to those situations? First of all, in our own people and maybe to the confrontation of another person who's not bringing the truth. How, how do we do that? What's the right way to do that? How would that honor the Lord? 
And uh, so we need to be cautious, but we don't need to be fearful because we are to come to one another when there's a time when judgment is needed. We are as a church to deal with discipline and we are to come to the place of speaking out to falsehood. And some of you have come out of churches and come to our church after many weeks or months or years of, of watching teaching that wasn't honoring to the Lord. Maybe you looked at it and it was actually not what the God's word was saying or the focus of the God's word wasn't. And you've gone and talked to someone and tried to do the right thing. And, and we're called to be those people. But we're called to be those people doing those things in the right way. And so Jesus, even in the text, he reveals some cases of proper judgment in verse five. And, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. There is a place where we come to where it's the right thing to do. As I was studying this, I asked the elders to pray for me on Wednesday because I was really wrestling with verse 6. Like, what in the world does verse 6 have to do with verses 1 to 5? And um, I believe it's an example of when Jesus talks about judging and how you judge and when you stop. Um, look at verse 6. Um, do not give dogs what is holy. And do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Uh, Jesus says there's, there's a time when you have to make a judgment. There's a time when you stop giving what is holy to dogs. There's a time when you stop casting pearls before swine. Uh, neither of those were domesticated animals in, in the illustration Jesus is using. Dogs often ran wild, and when you would give them something, they would just tear it apart. You know what it's like when you give your dog a chew toy and you watch what he does with it? Well, that's, why, would you, why would you be putting what is holy before someone who doesn't want it, as a matter of fact, hates it, as a matter of fact, will shred it? Why would you cast pearls before swine? Why would you put that out for them? They're just going to step all over them and roll in the mud and they're going to be of no use at all. There comes a time when you have to say, enough, enough. Now, the interesting thing about the, uh, what is holy before dogs and pearls before swine is really uh, bringing the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's bringing the, the word about the kingdom to someone. When, when do you stop you ready? When do you stop sharing the gospel with someone? When do you say, I have to stop? Not stop caring and not stop praying, but when does the time come when you say, every time I talk to them about that, they get angry, they get bitter, they get vicious, and it's time for me to stop. Jesus is saying there comes a time when you have to make a judgment. Now, I think in our world, we tend to back away from things way too easily, but, that, but that's a reality. Uh, who, are the, who are the red apples and who are the green apples in your life? See, if you're sharing the gospel with someone and they're pushing back and they're questioning, and they're, that's, that's not what this is talking about. It's not about the person who's filled with hatred and venom towards the Lord and towards the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, it may take months and years of faithfulness and preaching the gospel or sharing the good news of someone before they really come from being a green apple to being a red apple and there's a ripeness and, and the harvest comes and you're blessed in it. 
But the Lord is saying there's time when judgment happens. There comes a place where we are required to stop. And it's okay. Don't stop caring. Don't stop praying. Don't stop loving. But you've sown the seed. You've sown the seed. And you have to allow God now to do some work. And when they open the door, they open the door. Here's a great illustration of it. A couple of years ago, I was having lunch with um, Pastor Ian in Durham, and we were uh, sitting in a restaurant having a, whatever meal it was, breakfast or lunch, and uh, two, day, two tables over from us was one of his guys on staff talking with a man in their church who had just come to Christ in the few weeks before that. And he said, I got to tell you the story about what happened there. Um, uh, this guy that was at the table was a golf pro in the golf course, and, uh, and the staff person who was there with him had, had known him from high school and had shared the gospel with him, and, and one day he was talking to him, and, and the guy looked at him and he said, don't you ever talk to me about the gospel of Jesus Christ again. Just, he was filled with venom. He didn't want to hear it, didn't want to have anything to do with it, and, uh, and so he stopped. Stop, didn't stop caring, didn't stop loving, and then a crisis happened in that guy's life. And God broke through in his life. And he trusted Jesus Christ as his Savior. So you don't, don't think if I stop and God can't, God can't work, all of a sudden it's over. And be, no, no, no. You allow God to work. But when that person says, I don't want to hear this, and they're filled with venom and they don't want it, there comes a time when we have to make a choice. A warning to you if you're sitting in the room and you've never trusted Christ and you're here today and just hearing the words about what Jesus Christ has done causes you to be filled with anger and just be very, very careful. The Lord Jesus came and died, offered his life as a gift so you could have eternal life and the person who seeks to bring that to you brings that to you in love and brings that to you in truth. And the fact that you're even still here probably demonstrate there's some interest in what they're learning and what's changed in their lives and what makes them tick. And like the gospel of Jesus Christ is the most amazing news that man can ever hear. It's the most amazing gift that a person can ever receive. And if you never trusted Christ, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You could be that person who was a, a green apple or didn't even want to be an apple and, and you've watched as God softened your heart to things and today is the day for you to trust Jesus Christ and be saved. It's a hard word for us to think about as Christians about judging that there would come a point when I'd have to say, I just have to step back. I just have to step back because I can't keep putting what is holy before a dog that just wants to tear it up and shred it. I can't keep putting uh, pearls before swine that just tread on them and roll over them and have no sense of, as I said, we don't stop caring, we don't stop loving, but there comes a time when we have to make a judgment. And so this text is filled with it, and, and we're going to see some more of it as we go. Uh, later on in Matthew chapter 7, um, there's some more talk about judgment, and it's really about false teachers. And I'm not going to even go to the text right now, but we're going to see it when we get there. And he talks about judging based on fruit. Judging based on fruit. So often when we come to judgment, we get right to motives of people and like, who do you think you are knowing what my motives are, right? About anything. You, you, but you can see fruit. We're not motive inspectors, we're fruit inspectors. 
And we can see fruit and we can see what it does and we can see the implications of those things and, and those things become a place where we can come to sound judgment as followers of Jesus Christ. And so just look at the manner of what's going on here. And here's the second thing. Uh, you be the judge. Look at the motive. Look at the motive. Uh, verse 4, I was going to say I love it. but Or how can you see your brother? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? And then he says this. You hypocrite. You hypocrite. See, look at the motive. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of someone else's eye. We're going to take a look at that whole beam and speck thing in a minute, but let's think about motives and and why we do what we do. Sometimes um, a motive to judge someone, it could be someone in your family, and they're making you look bad. They're making your family look bad. And, and your motive isn't their righteousness. Your, their motive is your pleasure. Their motive is your view of things. Their motive is that they would come alongside to what you want and, and the motive is wrong. Um, sometimes the motive is um, I have a job to do. Um, I'm a small group leader and it's my job to make sure that my people are in a good place. And, and so therefore I see something, I'm required to go and talk to you about that. And, but, your, but your motive is for your small group to look good or to fill some kind of an obligation and, and your heart isn't right and your focus isn't right and write this down. The Christian is called to unconditionally love. We're called to it. The Christian is called to unconditionally love. But the Christian is not called to unconditionally approve. We're called to in unconditional love. We are not called to unconditional approval. And so it's not like, well, I guess you're a follower of Christ. We'll just have to kind of let that go. We're, we're not called to that. And so we need to look into our motives. We need to look into our heart as we consider why we're coming to this. Why are we going to talk about this? And we need to make sure that our motive is right. But we also need to always find the balance, but we just don't accept everything. And we just kind of let it all go and sweep it under the rug. We're called to unconditional love. That's what Jesus Christ did for us. We're not called to unconditional approval. And if you find yourself sweeping things under the rug and letting things happen and you don't deal with things, examine your own fruit. Examine the fruit in your own life. But if you're looking out and seeing and are fearful of... Be careful to judge the motive of a person, but you can always look at their fruit. You can always see what they're doing. And um, so here's some uh, illustrations about the reality of being called to judge. Uh, John 7, 24 says, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. So as we think about judgment, here's a few things when judgment is wrong. Here's the first one. Superficial judgment is wrong. Judging someone based solely on appearances is sinful. It's foolish to jump to conclusions before investigating the facts. And so when you're going to come to someone and you have to speak to someone, make sure you really understand what's going on. Make sure it's not just superficial and you've heard something second, third hand and you feel like you've got to go in and bring this person down. Um, Superficial judgment is wrong. Hypocritical judgment is wrong. We're going to come back to this one in a moment. But um, the warning about hypocrisy, you've got this mask on. You're a phony. Um, There's hypocrisy going on in your life. 
I have a friend who was a pastor who counseled and led and helped people um, with sexual sin, with pornography, with struggles in their marriage. And then it was discovered that he had a whole secret life of all of those same things. He's a hypocrite. He's a hypocrite. When I was in Bible college, uh, taking a course on youth ministry, there was about 12 of us in the class, and, and the, uh, the guy who was teaching the class said, based on the numbers, one person in this class will morally fall and be out of the ministry. What I didn't know was he was the guy. And he was making these judgments and making these statements, and he, he was a hypocrite. Now, there isn't one of us in the room that isn't two or three decisions for being in exactly that same place. And God help us that we would never be there. But hypocritical judgment is wrong. Harsh and unforgiving judgment is wrong. Uh, Titus 3.2 says to speak, e uh, to speak evil of no one. Avoid quarreling. Uh, be gentle and show perfect courtesy toward all people. Harsh and unforgiving judgment is wrong. If the goal of your judgment is to take the person out, your motive is wrong. The goal of judgment is always restoration. The passion for what we're doing is always to see the person get to a right place. If you're, if you're going to somebody, I'm, I'm going to point this out to you, and we're just going to bam, 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 and the whole thing is just a hammer. Then don't go. Because the goal is restoration. The goal is to see them in a right place with the Lord. The goal is always to see them back in a walk and maybe correct it or maybe you'll find out you were wrong or maybe you'll find out they just never knew and nobody ever told them. And if you can't go lovingly, don't go. You see, doing the right thing in the wrong way is not the right thing. And so if you're going to someone and it's like, that's my job to go, I'm going, I'm going, and you're doing the right thing, but you're doing it in the wrong way, that's, that's harsh judgment. Harsh and unforgiving judgment is wrong. Self-righteous judgment is wrong. When you're comparing them to you, when you're like, oh, here's where I am. You, you need to be like me. This is what God has taught me. And it's, a, and it's about a self-righteousness. And, and um, James 4, 6, it says, God opposes the proud. And if you go and ever go in judgment and you think you're something and somebody else is not, you're going to find yourself in a place you never want to find yourself in opposition to God. Because God opposes the proud. And then obviously, untrue judgment is wrong. The Bible clearly forbids bearing false witness or lying. Uh, Proverbs 19.5 says, a false witness will, will not go unpunished. He who breathes out lies will not escape. Titus 3.2 says, speak evil of no one. And uh, so look at your motives. Because in verse 2 it says of our text, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, you, it will be measured to you. And so we always want to be so careful when we judge. It's interesting, don't judge. But when you do, understand, the way you judge is the way you're going to be judged. And so you think, well, what did Jesus mean by that? Well, there was a teaching in that day that the, the rabbis taught, and, and basically, uh, when they taught about two measures or two ways when judgment, um, they would talk about the measure of justice and the measure of mercy. The measure of justice, we're going to get to the right end of this thing, we're going 
or the measure of mercy, which brought with it grace and love and hope. And, and so when Jesus says, for the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, you will be, it'll be measured to you. They, they understood that, that tension that was going on. And so which measure do you want God to use with you? Because the way you judge is the way you'll be judged. need to be careful that that's the measure that we would use with one another and um, that we would honor Christ in that. Well, let's go on to the next part of this. You be the judge. Look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. Verses three and four are very famous verses in the Bible. Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye and did not notice the log or the beam that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye. So you came into church this morning, and you go, why is there a two by four on the platform? Well, this is why, right now. There's a little speck. Jesus is using hyperbole here for sure, right? There's a sense of intentional overstatement. But maybe even humor. We, we wonder, did Jesus ever use humor when he was teaching? I don't know, for sure, because I'm not gonna judge his motive. But I'm pretty sure the picture of, don't, don't you try and take the speck out of somebody else's eye when you got a two by four growing out of your own head. Maybe, maybe there's like, I'm going to make a point and humor's a good way to make a point. And the background for him, he was a carpenter. He understood, was like, have you ever been on a, a construction site? This has happened to me, and you're on a construction site, and, and there's all the, the work that's being, all the framing that's being done, and, and they're hammering away, and all of a sudden you get a little speck of sawdust in your eye. And, and your whole focus changes from everything you were doing to get that speck out of your own eye. So, so Jesus understood this. As a matter of fact, the, the Greek word for speck and log or beam, it comes from the same root. And so maybe in one way, Jesus is saying, why? Why are you so worried about the moral implications of what that person is doing in their life? And you feel you need to get out there and deal with it. And you need to be the one who's talking about it. And yet when no one is looking, what you're doing on your computer and you're not, and you got a beam in your own eye and you're worrying about the speck in someone else's eye. Is that your story? They're made of the same substance, but the implications are huge. You're really good at looking around and seeing what the problem that that guy has and what the problem that that guy has and what the problem that that guy has, and you're really good at going after them and going, you need to get that fixed. And you got this thing in your own life that you won't even examine, you won't even look at. Why are you so worried about getting the speck out of somebody else's eye when there's all this crud that's in your own life and you won't even look at it? See, that's when Jesus is saying, just don't judge. Who, who do you think you are? Who are you to go and talk to anybody about anything? And it might not be that you have a, a problem with pornography and you're out there helping people in your small group with pornography. It might be um, you have an eating disorder and, uh, and you think it's okay to go to talk to chunky guys like me about why I need to lose weight. And, and you're up throwing up in the, in the toilet after you've had a meal. And it's okay for you to take the, well, it's a bit more than a speck. But it's okay for you to take care of the speck for me, but you're not taking care of the beam in your own eye. See, that's what Jesus is talking about. 
She's not saying don't judge. She says, but don't you ever judge until you've dealt with the stuff you need to deal with in your own life. So do we have to be perfect? No, we don't have to be perfect. We just have to be forgiven. We just have to be right with God. Sometimes we get people who are so nitpicky about the sin and other people, but they're not dealing with the things in their own life. And you have a wife who's just so struggling with her husband because he's out there trying to get everybody else fixed, but he's not doing anything in his own life. Or vice versa. And so Jesus says those words, why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye? But you're not taking care of the thing that's in your own. Who do you think you are? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? Such person is a hypocrite. They're deceived. I get the log out of your own eye. You, you deal with that thing that's in your own eyes so that you will be ready and available and useful to God to deal with things in the lives of other people. On Thursday, I was talking with Sue about this, and I said, who's the best illustration of the log, or the log or the beam and the speck in Scripture? Who is it? She didn't even hesitate. She said, David. Absolutely right. David's the greatest illustration of this in Scripture, I think. You have David, who is the king, who decides that it's a good idea to have sex with a woman who's not his wife and someone else's wife, and he gets her pregnant, and, and then he's got to cover it up, and he has her husband put to death, and, and then David is um, kind of going along in life thinking, everything's going to be fine now. It's, it's all covered up. She said that nobody knows. And then Nathan comes along. You can read the story this afternoon. You'll find it in uh, Samuel, 2 Samuel 12, 1 to 31. Samuel, Samuel comes along and he says to uh, David, I, I have a story to tell. I, I would, of all the guys I wouldn't have wanted to been on that day would have been this guy who's got to tell the king this story. But God directed him to do it. And so Nathan comes to David and says, hey, hey Dave, vid, I, uh, I need to tell you a story. I need to tell you a story about a rich farmer and a poor farmer. Here's how it goes, David. The uh, rich farmer was out and um, somebody came over to visit and they decided they were going to have a barbecue for dinner. And the rich farmer looked across all of his fields and saw all of the animals and didn't want to mess up his thing. And he looked over and he saw the poor farmer who had one little lamb. And so he uh, told his servants to go and take that man's lamb and to sacrifice that man's lamb and to offer in David the indignation and the injustice and how wrong this was. And he's just like, he's livid. And, and David's basically like, that man should be put to death for that. And then Nathan said this, you're that man. You are the man. See, David had a beam that he wouldn't deal with. And Nathan had to call him out. In our judgment, in our judgment, we need to be so careful that before we talk to anybody about anything, we've come to search me, O oh God, and know my heart and try me and know my thoughts and see if there's any wicked way in me. 
Lead me, God, in ways that are eternal. Lead me in, God, that are ways that are honoring to you. Lead me in, our, in ways that when I go to a person, they're like, who do, you, who do you think you are coming to me? I know more about you than you think I know about you. But rather, we come with purity. We come with honesty. We come with integrity. We come with a heart to help and love a person and, and bring the truth to them. We come with no hypocrisy, not to judge them, to hurt them, but to bring a judgment that brings to repentance and restoration. No hypocrisy, but that we see clearly what God's called us to, and we can come to them. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. With the measure you will use it, it will be measured to you. The Lord here is condemning the spirit of judging harshly, self-righteously, without mercy. James warned against making judgment without mercy in James 2, 13. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. If we judge without mercy, there'll be no mercy that's shown to us. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. With the measure you use it, it'll be measured to you. And so we come to judgment. And we come to help the other person. But we come after we've taken the two by four out of our own face so that we can come in purity. You know, I was thinking about this a little bit more when I got home last night, and I'm going to come to this in the so what, but why is that so critical? Well, I don't know all the reasons, but here's one thing I know for sure. That when, when I come to someone in judgment out of the brokenness of my own life, I can actually come and bring the truth to them in a loving and caring way. And so when I've dealt with the thing that's in my life, when I dealt with my stuff, then I can come to somebody with integrity and with, with love. And so get the beam out of your eye so that you're able to discern. And in Galatians 6, 1 and 2, it says, Brother, if anyone's caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself lest you be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I read this this week. It goes like this. Most of our judgment in regard to others is wrong. Not because we judge according to a standard, but, we are but because we are hypocritical in the application of that standard. We ignore the standard in our own life. We judge others by one standard and we judge ourselves by another standard. Being far more generous to ourselves than we are to others. We're called to model in all of these things. So here's the last point. You be the judge. Then I wrote this down. Look for the must. Look for the must. Now, I'm not talking about mustiness. I'm talking about the why do I need to be the person to do this? Why, why am I sensing a calling to do this? And it's not that we shouldn't. I'm not saying we should run away from judgment. I'm not saying we shouldn't run away from bringing the truth to people. We need to do that. We need to do that. But it needs to happen after much prayer and after much consideration. Is there someone else who could do this? Is there someone else who's on their heart to do this? And why do I? And if you think you're the, you're the judgment police, and, well, that's my calling in life is to go around judging people, you need to stop it. Um, and so it's kind of the, the why me? And uh, opposing sin is not wrong. We need to call out sinfulness. But we need to do it in a way that is right and righteous and honors Christ. So here's a few things that might help you. When you consider whether um, you should go, whether you're the person, um, Jesus taught in John 7, 24, judge with righteous judgment. If you can't go with a right heart, 
if you can't go in righteousness, if the goal of your judgment is to hurt and only lay out the sin, that's not righteous judgment. The goal is to bring people to a place of understanding and restoration. If you're not willing to go all the way with that, then don't go. Here's another one. We have a responsibility to judge those who are inside the church. You can look this up this afternoon in 1 Corinthians 5, 9 to 13. We, we have a responsibility to care for each other. In Hebrews 10 says how we spur one another on to love and good deeds. If someone's overtaken in a fault, you who are spiritual, restore him, right? So we have a responsibility to this. And so I, I, I don't want in this message for everybody to go, okay, we're out of the judgment thing. The pastor just kind of gave us, no, 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 no. We need to do it in the right way. We need to do it in the right time. We Test the spirits. 1 John 4, 1. We need to test. We need to be in prayer. We need to consider what God's calling us to do. We need to be discerning. We need to teach the whole counsel of God. We need to gently confront. I love that James uh, McDonald, uh, uh, Dr. James McDonald, who's the first pastor at Harvest Bible Chapel, and all of what we're seeing God doing came, came out of the vision and the the work, not the work of one man, but what God has used in all that. But um, he said about this whole area of, um, of gentle, of gentleness when you come to someone. Um, he said, I, I used to say that, you know, we, when we come to, we need to bring the truth. We need to bring the truth. And uh, he hasn't wavered from that. He's still 100% on we need to bring the truth. But he, he's, he's learning, as we all are, and growing and uh, he said, no, it's, it's true, but we need to bring the truth at the right time and bring the truth in the right amount. The people may not be ready to receive the whole thing at one sitting. It might take some time. And it might take some consideration of the amount. And so as you're coming to talk with someone, if you've got laid it on your heart, then you need to do it in the right time and uh, with the right amount. That's been greatly helpful for me. And, and then the last one is speak the truth in love. If you can't speak the truth in love, I would encourage you not to go. Because that's just going to be harsh and painful and unloving. Speak the truth in love. Well, so what? So what? You be the judge. We have a responsibility and authority. Uh, that's the manner in which we are to go, but we need to examine our motives. We need to look in the mirror. We must consider the must. And so I was thinking about this this week and the application for us, and I, I thought about our elders. Uh, I have the privilege to serve with um, some pretty great guys. I'm so thankful for them and the blessing that they are in our church and the encouragement that they are uh, to so many of you. And every week we sit down at our elders table and invariably there's a list of names of people that, how do we help these people? What do we do with these people? How do we come to them? How do we deal with that sinful thing that's there? So the elders need to do this too. We need to make sure that there's no speck in our eye when we come, if they ever have to come and talk to you about something, the elders need to become in a brokenness as well. If we ever sit at the table, and I trust we never do, and if we do, then God, God help us and correct us, but if we ever sit at the table, and I guess, well, it's just family number 27 we've had to deal about, so let's just get it on and get it done. God forbid we would ever get to that. Right? That's an arrogance. That's a pride that happens. 
And I don't believe that's the heart of our elders. I don't believe that's what they want to do, but they're called to this. We're called to lead the, tr- the church in doctrine and, and direction and in discipleship. And, and we're called to um, go and meet with people and talk with them. And, but let's make sure that when we go, we're not going in some arrogance of who we think we are. We've got a title and therefore we're going to come and we're going to do this thing. And God help us that we would never be like that. God help us uh, as leaders in the church, as small group leaders, when we're called to go and uh, talk to someone, the calling from God to go and talk to someone in our group because you're seeing a failure that's in their life and you're seeing how serious it's going to be and you're seeing the implications of what this could cause and what it could do. God help us that we would never go until our heart is right. God help us as church members with a brother or sister in Christ. If you think that you're the judgment police in our church, well, I'm pretty sure you're not. Um, I'm pretty sure your heart's wrong and search your own heart. And don't even go and talk to anybody else until you can go with, I've searched, Lord, I've searched every corner, every nook and cranny of my life and now you can go. Husband to wife. Um, I talked with a husband and wife um, about this very thing this week and and uh, he said that, um, it was the day before, he said, I went off on my wife about something. And um, it was not good. She's standing right there, as he told me. And, um, and God convicted him of it in this whole area of judgment and the only things in my own life that aren't right. And so as he's going off on her about her thing, she's looking at him going like, I know about you. Who, who do you think you are, right? And she stood there and she took it and, they're in a way better place today, and God's done a great work in their life, but he just thought as a husband that was his job, to take her down a notch or two when he wasn't right with the Lord in his own life about some things. And then there's the parent who thinks it's their obligation to fix their kid for the thing they're doing wrong. You catch them in something, you catch them in doing, do we need to, of course those things have to be dealt with, But how many kids have walked away from their faith because of the hypocrisy of their parents? What are you doing talking to your kid about that thing in their life when you've got this thing in your own life that you're not dealing with and they know about it? Or maybe they don't know about it, but the Lord knows about it. God help us. God help us when we deal with others, which we are called to do, that we would people be people of God who examine ourselves, examine our heart, examine our motive, that we would act out of humility, but we would come with truth. Never sacrifice the truth, but we do it in a way that brings honor to Jesus Christ the Lord. It's time to take a hard look in the mirror. It's time to get the beam out of our own eye so that God can use us to deal with the specks in other people. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word today. It's been a heavy word. It's not an easy word, but it's your word. And uh, Lord, it's so easy for me. I can look around this room. I can find fault in virtually everybody in the room. I can see a thing. Maybe I should go talk to them about that. Maybe I should go talk to them about that. It's so easy for anyone to do, Lord. And yet we don't come before you like that. We don't go, Lord, would you put the the microscope on me 
So easy for me to put it on somebody else, but I don't want it put on me. I'm so thankful that Jesus said, get that thing right first. So help us to do that, God. Help us to be believers who are growing in our sanctification more and more like Jesus Christ. Not perfect people. We'll never be perfect people. Not on this side. But Lord, the reality is you've called us to some things and we're called to represent you. We're called to be ambassadors. We're called to live our lives for your glory. And we're called to bring the truth to others. But Lord, may we always do it bathed in prayer, in humility, desiring to be right before you so that you can take these works and you can use them for your glory and for the fame of our Savior Jesus Christ. We pray these things in his name.